0: Hi, I'm Christina Dennis, and you are listening to The Recovered Life Show. Every week, we bring you a Recovered Life discussion all about setting healthy boundaries and how codependency could be keeping you from living your best recovered life. Remember, addiction is a life-threatening condition and the information in this discussion is provided as a resource only and is not to be used or relied on for any diagnostic or treatment purposes. This is not a substitute when professional diagnosis or treatment is needed. Now let's jump into the discussion. Uh, My name is Christina Dennis. Uh, I am a person in long-term recovery whatever that means Um, you know for me it means that I started my journey in to recovering from substance abuse in 1997 Uh, and and uh, I am part of recovered life which is you know a a sacred space that we are trying to create where we can talk about uh, all kinds of things you know all kinds of things that for me to describe it as, you know, once I got to that place of understanding, oh, I'm an alcoholic. Oh, wow, I am a raging codependent. Um, Oh, goodness, I have a lot of trauma that I've been running from. Uh, How do I deal with it? And, you know, how do I operate in this world? And I needed a lot of help. And there were people around, um, but there also was, you know, for me, a personal commitment to trying to get better And so uh, Recovered life, which is a completely free community is a space where I want people to um, feel like they can be heard and Transparent and we figure this stuff out together. I am not a licensed therapist I'm a recovery coach and the reason why I say that is because I use terms like codependency, which is not a diagnostic code Um, It is not a term that I mean, I know a lot of people are familiar with it now, but it actually came from the recovery world um, By AA it was a term they they created in order to describe partners of addicts um, Who appeared to be suffering from the same? the same um, parts of addiction without alcohol or drugs and what I have learned um From that since then you know is that it's kind of come into our zeitgeist and we're talking about codependency uh, and and I think there's a lot of light you know discussion about it out there in the world but in the rooms of recovery uh, we can tend to get I can tend to have the lens that this is important and this is something that I want people to know to save their lives to allow them to have better uh, relationships to allow you to live In the moment and uh, last night I was listening to a podcast a really great podcast not not recovery uh, I don't know the perspective it's actually two people in recovery but they're bringing forward all of these wonderful um, conversations and I was super excited about the podcast because uh, the title was boundaries and that's something that you know I think that the entire world needs and could use but what I found was that it was kind of still more face value still more about somatics, and those are important you know we need to be able to say no and 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 they really addressed you know like it's you have every right to ask for the lights to be on in your house and if your partner wants them to be off they can go to another room and it was really you know helpful but I didn't feel like it got to you know the craving what I think that our world really needs is, is to discuss about the pain that happens. Um, and I'm just gonna share a little bit about my current situation, something that I just went through, it, it's, it's tender, but I think it's important to share to people for you or for anyone to be able to understand that I see the pain and there is pain attached to it. And it isn't just as simple as just say no to somebody, you know? Um, It isn't your fault if somebody crosses boundaries that you've communicated. You're not responsible for setting better boundaries. I mean, there may be a little bit of it in it, but it's just not a black and white issue. And so uh, I came in and I'm coming in today to see um, if what I have to share will help. And I hope everybody will feel comfortable Um, you know, I try to create as as safe a space as I can, but it's up to you to determine if it's safe for you. Uh, so a quick note before we get into it, um, this is rebroadcasted as a podcast for others and it is, uh, on the replays. So please, um, please decide for yourself what works best and as always, um, My intention is to create safety. And so if for whatever reason someone um, is in a place where they can't be respectful, they will be removed. But um, moving forward, real quick, I want to ask if anybody down uh, in the listening lounge has uh, the space to maybe be a backup mod with me uh, in case uh, my technology fails me. So if anyone, oh good, Teresa's willing. Thank you, Teresa. Come up, have the... The little green moniker and that will help me know um, that and I'm going to mute you real quick Teresa thank you so much so uh, what I want to share about is a a recent situation that I had in my life Um, and it's a constant you know we've had plenty of rooms about how stressors don't go away people you know boundaries are consistently needing to be set Um, You know, my story is such I found out that I really needed to address my codependency two years into my sobriety Because I was absolutely addicted to a fellow addict um, Who had no interest in addressing his sex addiction and I thought and felt like I was gonna die, you know, the one thing that um, that helped me uh, live with that kind of acting out behavior had been removed alcohol and so I had to get help stat but When I went into that room to help um, My partner and to figure out what I had to do to get him to quit looking at porn I discovered that every relationship that who I was was codependent to the core and I believe strongly uh, codependency is a trauma response and I have um You know, done a lot of studying. We've had rooms about the fawning response to trauma, uh, which is, you know, I had no ability to feel safe or valuable without other people's input. I didn't belong to myself. I couldn't ground myself. And so I've done a lot of work on that. Uh, It it meant that I had to start discovering who I was, and I had to start acting as if in the areas of self-love. I had to start making uncomfortable choices and practicing language that said, you know, I don't know what I like. Let me try to figure that out. And I had to be disciplined in, in searching for, you know, that belief. And it also meant I had to review trauma with a specialized person. I had to go back and just see and feel some of the unprocessed trauma where I froze as a child and just did what every child will do, made it about me. It has to be something that I'm doing wrong. And so I had, it was painful. It was a painful experience and it still shows up and what I wanna share is about how that recently showed up in my life. Um, I have a son um, who is ASD, uh, autism spectrum disorder. He's nonverbal, he um, has holes in his cognition, you know, he he misses something. And one of the things that's incredibly difficult for him is to downgrade or regulate uh, when his nervous system is dysregulated. And in the last five weeks, there have been several opportunities and moments where he has laid hands on me. And this is an incredibly painful thing for a mother to share when you are afraid that your son might hurt you and so when uh, I had to do the, the hard work to accept that I was going to need to speak up and say something, you know, I was and, and I'm not talking about setting a boundary with him. Uh, it isn't his intention to hurt me. He just can't think about an addict who can't put down the drink. They're not trying to hurt you. They just can't yet. And for him, he just doesn't have that option whenever he gets to a certain level. He's 18 years old, he is 95 pounds bigger than me, and when something happens that sets him off, it isn't about him being spoiled, it isn't about him, you know, manipulating. I mean, maybe there's a little bit of that in there, but he literally can't downgrade. And so I brought this to his father and his father and I are not together because uh, there was no ability on either side of us to manage this stress and stay together. Uh, we each had our journeys and, um, and there were many years where I was alone in parenting my son. And so his father takes a bigger role now and it has opened up my life um, like, I, like I never even thought was possible. And uh, but... His father is 6'4 and is bigger than his son. And so sometimes he doesn't have the perspective of what it feels like to be smaller and what it feels like to not have size on your side. And so I brought it up originally. My concern and my desire was to get more experts involved and to figure out how to help my son get help. How do I figure that out? Is there more going on? Um, you know, I, I work very hard on my codependency with my son. And so just the act of saying something to somebody else and admitting it, help, I need help, I'm scared, was very, very hard. And I have to say that um, his father responded very kindly. Now, he did respond with his own trauma. you know uh, A week went by, another conversation was had, another incident came. And I had done the footwork to find new psychiatrists and experts to deal with uh, an adult who's on the spectrum, an adult who has, you know the the challenges that my son has, and a professional that has more expertise. And you know, my thought was if we address his OCD or we address this, you know, this problem, if we're able to support him both through diet and medication, um, he will live in a safer world. I will be able to be safe. But I was still focusing on my son and forgetting that I deserved the right to be in a safe space, even though I love him more sometimes and i love myself i'm still working on it and uh when i brought it up a second time my uh his father was charged and his trauma came up you're saying something's wrong with him you know you're saying he's not okay and his fear showed up and he shared it with me but it really was veiled in a kind of time frame that was stalling and the end result was i didn't feel heard And uh, I was angry. Oh my gosh, I was so angry because I wasn't being heard. At least that's what I felt like. And so uh, another round of discussions came after we um, had a doctor's appointment on on Monday morning. And in that appointment, I introduced the thought of psychiatric help for my son um, uh, support uh, with a naturopathic doctor, and it was really hard for me to do that. It was very tenderhearted to share with someone out there who is a mandated reporter. And uh, my his father jumped in, and his trauma was all over the place. But at that time, I was terrorized because I felt so unseen and I had to take Monday kind of off from my job I had to choose me I had to decide I wasn't going to send out a newsletter I wasn't going to uh, to put other people's maybe wants. I don't even I don't think their needs ahead of mine like I didn't have a choice and as a codependent this happens you know if uh, if you're faced with something Um, adult children of alcoholics were faced with something that puts us in that trauma trance it's really really hard to walk yourself out of that and so Monday I did what I needed to do to just survive and Tuesday um, his father called me to talk about it and because I had done some processing on Monday with friends who pointed out to me that it was my right to be able to live in a safe environment. And that when I said, I don't feel safe and I'm scared, the people around me, you know, who are also responsible for my child's behavior in some ways um, needed to step up. And once again, this was a situation where his father's trauma was outweighing my trauma in some way. I know that might sound cloudy but I'm still working through it what I did was I was able to state very clearly I don't feel heard and I want you to know how it feels to have to repeat yourself multiple times and my fear is that he will be out in public and something will happen and people will misunderstand and ie detain him I think Teresa can understand this there are the public doesn't understand what might be happening just like the public doesn't understand about addiction right they they just throw a bunch of shame on addicts and automatically say it needs to be you know something's wrong with them and why can't they just stop drinking and uh, and part of that is education. You know, part of that is what we're doing with Recovered Life, trying to bring the shame out of addiction. You know, um, with autism spectrum disorder, we do the same thing. We keep educating the world. And so I, uh, for whatever reason, and I believe it's higher power because of the spiritual path, when I finally surrendered on Monday afternoon and just let the feelings come up and I knew that I needed to, set boundaries and I knew I needed to share my truth yet a third time, even though it was incredibly painful and I was physically shaking through it. uh, His father seemed to hear me and he apologized and he explained that he was in his space and the apology looked something like, yeah, yeah, I hear you, but you need to understand. I was feeling all kinds of feelings and I had to yet again say yes, but but regardless, we have to address this. We have to accept this, and we have to move forward. And um, I felt pretty good after that, even though it was a painful conversation. And then the truth hit me. The reason why I was shaking and the reason why I was sad is because it bumped into my trauma, my little girl trauma, about not having my needs being taken care of about having uh, you know, missed visits to the doctor when I was sick, about being ignored by my caregivers, um, about being afraid that when I'm sick, I'm gonna die. And I think a lot of us traumatized adults who use codependency as a way to try to make ourselves feel safe might have these feelings. And um, and I wanted to share that because as I'm sitting here on Wednesday sharing something incredibly personal, I share it because I want people to know that boundaries are not as simple as just say no or tell them what you want. That codependents are made, they're not born. And it's exceptionally hard. To take some of the most vulnerable parts of you, you know, i.e., my son for me, and speak out. And uh, the recovery part, the part where I can look at it as a learning lesson, because I often don't, you know, I have to remind myself not to rush to the bright side, because that's distorted thinking, you know, what's the bright side of this? There are many times in my recovery where there are no great choices. There are just less bad ones. And, uh, but I have to say what I can say about the last three days is that uh, I didn't give up. I reached out for help. I allowed myself to cry and cry and cry. I didn't tell myself, you know, you got to get it together. You're not the one with autism. These are things I've said to myself in the past. And I allowed the truth to emerge because I was willing to turn into it and I was willing to feel it. And I was willing to be less than perfect to the public, you know, whoever those people are out there, which is all of us, not any different than me, truthfully. And um, I did it in faith. Uh, And today Knowing that the reason why I was traumatized was one. It's a really ugly situation, but two My little girl was hearing once again and being reminded once again that she didn't matter And so as I gently reparent myself I Realized okay. I still have work in this area. I still need to look at the times that I'm feeling like I don't count and I have to have the really crunchy, cringy conversations with people that I still have to be in relationship with because all of us know you can't just get rid of everyone. Uh, it doesn't work like that to move forward. And I'm feeling some hope. I'm feeling tired. I'm feeling a little worn out. I know there's still more tears. I don't want to have them, but I know that they're there and I, also know that like a headache goes away when you take aspirin, generally, you don't know exactly when the headache goes away, but all of a sudden, you know, it's gone that with my unprocessed trauma that every time I'm willing to go there and do it, there's a little less driving the car in my future. So I I really appreciate it. I've been talking a long time. I so appreciate everybody hanging in there that were able to and i'd like to at this point um send out some invites uh, for this very intimate group um, if you are in a place where you want to share thank you hi teresa jump on in if you'd like hi
1: i um i share a lot of empathy with you and having to deal with that my my son with autism gets uh, uh, upset a lot, and it doesn't take much. <laughs> he can uh, be eating and bite his tongue, or you know, experience static shock, electricity, and he comes unhinged. And it's just because it's
0: just something that he doesn't like. And
1: but unfortunately, we've had to turn medication. I don't. I'm not a proponent of it. It's just something that it had to be done. Um, I wish there was other ways or means that I had available to me. Um, So I am going to pass it on because I have a little one in the room. (laughs) Bye. Thank you.
0: Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for sharing. I know you do share a lot of the background um, that we have together and, you know, it's, it's all about sharing these stories so that we have a world that understands not everything is as it seems right? Not everything is as it seems on on paper. Addicts aren't drinking to hurt us. You know, people aren't crossing our boundaries necessarily because they don't care. Um, and so I think it's important to be able to share these stories. And uh, thank you for being willing to co-mod with me. I so appreciate it. Chelsea, hi, honey. So happy to see you. Hi, I'm glad I could make it. Um. Yeah, I was
2: thinking about some of the boundaries that I've like set in like the last uh, kind of year, year and a half since I've been on Clubhouse. Honestly, um, and it's funny because like, uh, like you said, oops, my fan is so loud. Um, it, it like I have to kind of repeat my boundaries with a few people um and i find that very annoying um and i and i feel like sometimes i feel like like why am i why do i have to repeat myself um you know when i when when i'm setting these boundaries um and maybe like maybe it's the way i word it uh maybe i'm not too clear on it um But I don't know necessarily if I, like, I don't know. I don't know necessarily if I, if I should be repeating them, but I know with my mom, I definitely know that I have to, because that those, uh, those run deep, um, and, and long, I guess, like when it comes to um i I stated last year that I did not want her to ask about my dating life um anymore uh because it was putting a lot of pressure on me um but she's found loopholes uh to to ask about different things oh my goodness and i <laughs> yeah i just she's finding loopholes she's saying like uh she's asking me well the last time she was in town she was asking me about freezing my eggs (laughs) Um, and because i'm 35 and you know she is just kind of like she's just like hinting at it but that stuff is so expensive and it's not covered by insurance and i don't even know I, I, i like
1: I don't even know if I want
2: kids, you know, and I think that would like devastate her. Um, and I hate that. I, I hate that. I put my mom, like, uh, I put my family's, uh, I put my family before me a lot of times, like, because even when I start dating a guy, I'm like, will they like my mom. Like, will they get along with my mom? Will my mom like them? Um, and it it definitely bothers me and and I did that because she I think I told this before she she started a dating uh, app like or um she she did like a dating profile on online um for me and she did it for a few weeks before she told me about it and she thought it was funny um and she would like send me screenshots of the guys, you know, and like, like, uh, that's where, that's when I had to like say something to her, but now she's starting to ask about it again. And like, it's just, she's like, you can't meet people if you're not going out. And like, she's making it sound like she's, uh, talking about friends, but I have friends. I have a big circle here of friends um and because they're in recovery she just is like i wish you would make friends that aren't in recovery and like i don't know it's just bothering me and it's not just that boundary um that i'm having trouble with like there's one boundary that i set and i don't think that person even cares that i set the boundary um as far as like they don't care that i'm not talking to them um and, and and that almost hurts too, like, and I'm so contradictory because I'm like, oh, I wish they would reach out. Uh, but I set that boundary. Like, I don't uh, know where that comes from, probably the codependency. Um, but yeah, there's just certain boundaries that I've been trying to set, especially like with friends, um, guy friends, like, I don't feel like I should reiterate, like, if I don't see you as a romantic person, like, I don't feel like I should have to like reiterate that. Um, cause it's not changing. Um, but yeah, I just, I guess I'm conflicted on the setting of the boundaries and why I have to repeat it. And I'm, I'm, I'm just really frustrated with it. And I'm frustrated too, that I'm like contradictory only about one person, you know, like, it's just that one person, um, that I like don't want in my life anymore. Um, but like part of me does, and like, it's so sick. Um, but yeah, I think, um, that's all I
0: got. (laughs) That was a whole lot. And, you know, first, Chelsea, I want to say I recognize the work that you do. And you're definitely one of the people that I know who turns toward hard things. You don't run away from them. And, and you know, that is an act of courage that deserves to be paid attention to. And um, when you first started your share, you talked about, I guess I'm not wording them right. I think this is such a knee jerk response that those of us who have, a, you know, those of us, those addicts maybe, I mean, I'm not sure, I hate to say gen, you know, generalizations, but I think it is so easy for us to take responsibility for the fact that the other person couldn't hear what we had to say. Um, and the, the, those conversations are incredibly difficult, you know, and sometimes, and I know you work with somebody very closely, so I know you're in good hands, but sometimes we need somebody else to be like, no, you've said it enough. Now this person is choosing to actively cross your boundaries. But the parent stuff is a whole new level. It's a whole new level, and it is so hard when somebody you care deeply for is pushing their trauma onto you They're pushing their agenda and their idea, and um, I think uh, that women uh, and the whole struggle around children—whether they are or should should have children or shouldn't have children—is just adding an, an a hypersensitive layer on top of it. Truly, I mean, it's just. I'm going to say something that's going to sound maybe terrible, maybe not. But, you know, my son wasn't planned. And in some ways, I can see uh, that that would have, well, in a lot of ways, I could see that would have been an easier life. Now, as I say this, I believe that he was always to be on this earth and this was always my spiritual path Um, and that there will be many things um, out of it. Uh, And I I love the good that has happened because of it I know the exceptional love that we have that he and I have he is the first person that I've ever loved unconditionally And I now understand what that phrase means But at the same time there's been a lot of difficulty And I don't get to heal the difficulty if I don't say something about it and So I think that it's amazing that you are considering you know what you really want um, that isn't the norm and you know I know we have uh, a majority of, of, of women um, in this room but you know I also study on Friday's gender roles and there is no doubt that codependency <laughs> is bred into us you know it, be nice be a good girl don't be loud do this do that and um You know, that's not anybody's fault in this room. It's just the system and it needs to be addressed and changed, and I think it might be. But um, I I just couldn't, I mean, thank you for sharing it all. You know, that toxic person that you struggled to let go of, there's some deep lessons that are happening in here. And so I just encourage you to have a little flexibility around it and ask yourself questions like maybe it isn't the worst thing in the world that I'm going through this with him. Maybe there's something I'm going to learn from this. I have no idea. Maybe higher power is using me to help them and take the judgment out of it because I've been there. And I would say many of us have been there. um, (laughs) Where that, that, Person shows up in our life, and it's necessary for them to be there because they are the Motivation for us to go and dig out these deep beliefs so that we can have the best life we have and We can have what we deserve. I don't know any uh, woman in recovery Uh, I say that mostly because I've only worked with women although that is changing and I'm really glad you know I 50% of my clientele are men now but at least every single woman I know who has, uh, whose lives have been affected by addiction have had a person like that in their life. And um, I just want to set that perspective because we pathologize ourselves so quickly, you know, (laughs) And, uh, and we don't know the whole story and, and I can, as, uh, you know, an old, you know, I think I got 20 years on you. I can tell you that the people like, for instance, the person, the, the sex addict that I was addicted to brought me to a place the, the the pain and being on my knees brought me to the place where I could literally save my own life with others' help. And I don't know how long it would have taken me to get there without him. And so I do have this obnoxious belief that I'm grateful for it now. So time perspective, telling the truth, you're a hero. I don't want you to forget that. And, uh, with that, I want to (laughs) see so much love to you. If anybody else would like to come up and share today, we're talking about, uh, setting healthy boundaries, how complicated it really is. It's certainly not a face-value situation, um, and how trauma uh, can make it incredibly difficult, and I shared a story about uh, setting a boundary with my son's father and and doing it very shakily and very traumatized and very scared um, because I, I realized three days later that it wasn't Christina who's 53 years old and strong and in um, in, you know has autism management um, experience it was 10-year-old Christy 10-year-old Chris who didn't get taken to the doctor when she should have been taken to the doctor who didn't get the care that she deserved that was saying please notice me please hear me I don't want to be scared and uh, and I, I know that sounds dramatic, but this is, I think when we learn to set healthy boundaries and we learn to look at codependency and recognize that the basis of which we've been living, you know, all that addicts in general, or in specifically, need to relearn everything. And it's no short of a miracle. Thank you. Hey, Damon, thanks for stopping by. How are you today?
3: Good to see everybody. Hello, Christina. I uh, love the topic. Always love this room, Sitting Healthy Boundaries. Uh, such a great overview. Sorry, I was a little late to the room. Um, but uh, I love it. I love it. I love, uh, I love everything that you're saying. And uh, I think it's just, you know, an exercise in faith just to keep going. I think if you maybe have not set boundaries to your life, I think it just seems so daunting, but I, you know, as you have taught me, it's just a step-by-step process.
0: I love that. And, and you know, I have to say that it's uh it's, you know, Damon and I work together in recovered life. We have uh, a joint coaching package and it's um, very, it has been very healing for me to work with men and to discover uh, that they have some of the same things going on, you know, that this is a human condition uh, to live um, and to heal our trauma. And I don't want to get woo woo and all of that, but I probably am. Um, Those of us in recovery, we have an edge because we're in the arena talking about this stuff. And, you know, there again, The thing that I thought was one of the worst things about me, my addiction, ended up being the gateway to a better life. And so, you know, I love it when people show up and we keep talking about it. And um, yeah, if you haven't set healthy boundaries, I mean, most of us don't even know that we have no boundaries. We kind of get uncomfortable. i didn't know i didn't have boundaries until i started listening and i started realizing oh my gosh i'm like that with everyone in every area of my life and uh, there was something daunting about that right but um but it has gotten so much better hey ramon thanks for coming up
4: hey hello good to be here and um Boundaries—we've talked uh, a lot about it over the years. Um, I remember. And, um, <laughs> sorry. Boundaries um, is something for me uh, to be more honest about to my, towards myself because um, I, I had a, as an example, I had a discussion last night with my partner and. Um, First of all, I'm more, um, let's say, more monitoring what's happening and more observing what's happening. So I don't um, jump on things uh, like I used to do. So I take my time to listen and to think about and to feel what way the discussion or the topic would go. And I'm much more at ease in, um, I wouldn't say analyzing, but um, feeling how I could respond, how I would have responded and how I want to respond. So that that's all taking place in seconds, right? It's not it's not a, a, a trick or it's just happening. And uh, when I look back, I was not so good at it. Never, ever. And now, today, I can say I'm getting I'm getting to understand how things may work for me. And uh, when I hear about setting boundaries and um, understanding what that means in my own circle, I uh, I must admit that it's getting better. Um, and I don't think we will ever arrive at a certain point, like we're there, it's a final destination, but um, it's going to be a learning curve after all. But what I like about it is that it gives me more peace of mind. And um, um, it, it also involves acknowledging me, um, because I used to flee quite easily. You know, if th- things could, could end up out of my control, um, m- me not being able to set any boundaries. I would either flee or get angry or... Um, you know, not able to handle it in, um, I would say, in a proper way, if, if there is a proper way. And now it's, um, I, I must really admit to myself that it's getting better, and um, I kind of, am um, kind of happy about it. And um, I always try to visualize things for myself and trying to explain to myself or to others. And um, for me, it's, uh, I, I, when I look at a pool in the garden. It can be, a, you know, this, this well-shaped pool in the pool. You see the sides, the curbs or whatever you call them, the garden, the grass, the, the, the plants, the, the flowers. And then there's this infinity pools kind of stuff that you see often in nice places or hotels. And for me, setting the boundaries is, is, is like that. I, I kind of like the infinity pools, but it's not really clear where the boundaries are. Uh, it may seem really cool but it's really tough to recognize the boundaries and i used to be like that and if if something would happen that was out of my control you know it, it would it would just go over the edge and that would be it now it's more clear to me there's better lines there's better shapes um i feel much better what's going on and that's um, Interesting for me and my learning curve to uh, to observe that. And I, I just wanted to share that uh, when I heard and jumped into the conversation. So thank you for letting me share.
0: Oh thank you. I love that visual. And you know I, I learn a lot with visuals too, um, when I consider, you know I'll see myself uh, grabbing you know the package and running out the room and realize, okay, I'm in fight or flight. And uh, and I'll and I'll be able to you know visualize myself going and sitting down, but that infinity pool, it, yeah, that's kind of what we get sold, um, right? That true love or real love is you know there is enmeshment and um, and certainly at least I should say that, is what I believed was, was true love, um, was, you know, there's no ending of me and no beginning of you. We're just one person together. And uh, recognizing that, that that isn't healthy took me some time. Uh, there's this phrase that I've been, that I read in a book this week that I think it's so powerful. It's like when I was trying to sell casual to myself, it meant I was trying to distort myself. You know, I was lying to myself because uh, I don't know when uh, being casual became this kind of idea in my mind, you know, don't let it hurt you. You know, it's no big deal. Um, Hey, why are you so hysterical? I, I definitely, you know, spent a lot of time calling out my own behavior and saying, okay, wait a minute. What is it that I'm saying or not saying that this person doesn't have a clue that they're hurting me? And I also love that you talked about how you could see your progress um, and that it does take, you know, not, you're not sitting there go wait, we need to stop this conversation because I need to go back and, you know, write this out. But in the beginning, it might take that. I mean, that certainly, it took me that to do with a lot of writing and doing a lot of investigation and listening to other people's stories and being willing to not know the answer Um, So that I could get a new perspective and I always say recovery is is like a new language and So you're gonna know some phrases in the beginning you're gonna be able you know within you know six months You'll be able to kind of talk in it. You'll be able to kind of understand stories Um, But you have to keep going because the final stage of actually having a second language, which I think recovery is for me is thinking in it and that takes time. That takes commitment to learning. And uh, and I just so appreciate your willingness to come up and share from your perspective. And I'm glad, I'm really glad. We need to share the stories about how it gets better too because it has gotten so much better for me. And um, many people that I work with, many people that show up here share those stories of like, wow, I I took care of myself, and I now have people around me that are, you know, they have an interest in me doing well, too. And so I'm really, really grateful. I'd love um, at this point to see if anybody who's in the listening lounge would like to come up and share. (laughs) Teresa, did you want to respond or something? (laughs)
1: I have to share and I shouldn't have this response um, but sometimes I do so um, I work during the day and my sister was by um, to change her grandson's uh, diaper and get him dressed and um, (laughs) but um, she's like what are you listening to and I said "Uh, setting healthy boundaries and she's like what are you talking about now mind you she does well you know uh, with our family I uh, she's the one that's most got her head on straight when it comes to codependency because the rest of the family is just a hot mess but um, she's like I don't I don't find the need and I, I said how so and she says well I just uh, I feel like the meek inherit the earth and I said oh so doormat mentality. She's like, "No, not that. I just wait for the behavior to pass." And I'm like, "Really?" I said, "How's that working for you?" And she says, "I think it's working quite well." And I'm like, "Okay." <laughs> and so, I'm sorry. I'm not making fun of my sister. It's just like, "Wow. I'm just so happy and so blessed that I have um the rooms at on and rooms like this in Clubhouse that um Um, you know, for, for those that aren't in it, don't get it. And that's fine. And I accept that. And, uh, but I, I thank you for holding these rooms, Christina and Damon. Uh, they're so appreciative. Thank you.
0: Oh, you're welcome. And that's, I'm glad you shared that with us because yes, that's often what, um, The response that I see in people when they're working and then they start doing this boundary work with their family, the family's response is, you know, quite ridiculous. Like that doesn't even make sense. And yeah, we have to let people, you know, part of codependency recovery is letting people have their own thoughts and ideas and accepting them and also really listening to them and understanding, okay, you are giving me information that's going to be important to me in the future, you're giving me information. I mean, I think my response in the past would have been a whole bunch of convincing, you know? Um, and what I liked about how you shared was that what acceptance has taught me, uh, when I'm in a struggle with somebody, um, that word acceptance gets thrown around a lot in program And it's actually a cornerstone of the work that Damon and I do with people. Um, not expecting them to change or con- trying to convince them I am right is a lack of acceptance on my part. Once somebody has shown me they have zero interest in learning about it. In fact, they may be mocking me. I need to accept them as who they are and I don't have to have, uh, spend a lot of time with them. I don't have to move forward. It's not my job to convince them. And in the past I would have done that. So I think that's really cool. Uh, We're approaching the end of the hour. If anybody has a burning desire, please um, raise your hand. Or if you want to talk about something and you don't feel comfortable doing it in the room, reach out to Damon or myself, Um, you can DM us. You can find out about Recovered Life, which is that next level recovery and where where we turn towards some of the hard stuff and we definitely create a sacred space for all of the, all of us super sensitive, powerful um, addicts or families of addicts, can bring this healing to our world. Um, all you have to do is hit the button, join it. It takes about I don't know thirty seconds, Damon. I'm sure it's even faster than that. Um, for others that can follow directions, <laughs> for me it might take less a than longer. thirty seconds. <laughs> less than I timed it. Okay, less and than
3: three. And if you're tech challenged, it's 32 seconds.
0: That's yeah, that's what I was alluding to. So you can join the volley community. Um, very quickly, you'll get an invite. And Damon, and I do a lot of free coaching on that, and continue to, to grow our, you know, grow to all four corners of the un- the world. Um, the sacred space. And Damon, you have a room coming tomorrow unstuck, which unfortunately I don't get to visit, but I get to listen to on the replays. It's very powerful. What time is that tomorrow?
3: Yeah, I'm very excited. Thanks so much for mentioning. It's at 9 a.m. tomorrow. Uh, Every week I get together with Anne uh, from Access to Experts, and we take up an area of recovery that we might be stuck in and we kind of within an hour, try to come to some sort of resolution, try to get some sort of ideas about how we can get ourselves in a position where we start to feel unstuck.
0: I love that. So hit that room up tomorrow. Uh, It is 9 a.m. Pacific um, and obviously 12 Eastern and five o'clock if you're across the pond. I'm not sure Ramon, if that's true in your area but uh, definitely hit it up and I just want to thank everyone for giving me the space and the time to share a little bit about myself if you missed the beginning of the room and are are interested in hearing about you know something that was very personal to me that uh, I kind of gave a play-by-play of walking through trauma uh you know and and discovering the source when I was having a boundary crossed or not respected and so I always find it and did find it very very helpful for me to hear of others and to put it just to be like oh okay so-and-so did that or now I now I understand and it's always made me feel so much better when I've heard of other people you know shaking in their boots when they're making and setting a boundary and uh, i just want to thank teresa for volunteering to co-mod with me chelsea ramon damon for coming up and sharing a little bit about yourself we can and do recover together keep the conversation going join recovered life a community of like-minded people who are looking to live their best recovered lives membership is free and you can apply at recoveredlife.us